encounter the Lord when he returns. Hallelujah. We can only imagine what that site would be during the eschatology conference. Those were the things that we were exploring. You know, when Christ comes, when we, when we did the study on the resurrection of the saints and we spoke about the rapture, and we said that we which are alive and remain shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend with a shout, with the trump of the archangel, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air, so shall we ever be with the Lord. That sight will be so glorious to behold. The Bible says, in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, that's, I mean, in the split of a second, it, it's something that <laughs> I can't even begin to fathom it in my own, you know, limited, finite mind. Hallelujah. But it is our great hope that we have in Christ and we wait for it expectantly. And it is because of this great hope that we have that we live the way we do now. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. It is because of that great hope that we have that we live the way we do now. That is why we sacrifice the way we sacrifice now. That is why we say no to certain things and we say yes to certain things. That is why we count all things, but loss for the excellency done, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. That is the reason why we confess that our light afflictions, which are but for a moment, are working together for us a far more exceeding weight of glory. It is for this reason that we lay it all on the altar for the work of the ministry. Hallelujah. Because we know that our labor in the Lord shall not be in vain. Hallelujah. That means it will not be empty. You understand? It, it, it's not something that it, it, it has no uh, reward. Hallelujah. There's a reward to it. Not, in, not here in this life, but when Christ shall come. Amen and amen. We shall receive praise of God. There is nothing the heart of the believer should long for than to receive praise of God. Hallelujah to receive praise from God, to hear God say to us, good and faithful servant, come in and share my happiness. Mm. Our crown is sharing the happiness of God. This is the reward that we will have, that God will give praise concerning our works. That is why when you read the book of Revelation, the letter Christ sent to all the seven churches, the beginning party, he always says, I know thy works. I know thy works. I know thy works. Jesus sees everything we are doing in the body of Christ, in his body. He sees it. All our labors and toils, the motivations behind them, he sees it all. He knows our works. Amen and amen. And as believers, that should inform our decisions, our thinking, and the way that we live. Amen and amen. Because this world and everything that is in it is passing away. Hallelujah. It is only he that does the will of the Father who would abide forever. Amen and amen. So our business must always be the gospel. 
Amen and amen. Making Christ known through the gospel, the preaching and the teaching of, of the gospel. Hallelujah. First off, living it in our own lives, allowing the gospel to transform our own lives, and then sharing the good news with others too, so that they also may be saved and experience the glorious liberty of the sons of God. Amen and amen. That should be our goal. That should be our, 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 our drive. The thing that, you know, moves us and stares us forward. That should be our joy. Amen and amen. That should be our joy. Hallelujah. Because this world has nothing to offer us. Absolutely nothing. It has absolutely nothing to offer us. Everything pales in the light of eternity. All things in this world, they pale in the light of the glory of God and in the light of eternity. Hallelujah. When you consider them all in the light of eternity and in the light of the glory of God, they pale. Hallelujah. In comparison with the weight of glory that shall be revealed in us and through us. Amen and amen. And on that day, we shall receive praise of God. What joy our souls will be filled with when the master says of us, good and faithful servant, come in and share my happiness. Hallelujah. Those are the words. So the goal of the Christian faith, therefore, is faithfulness. To win in Christ is to be faithful. The picture of winning you should have is faithfulness. Amen and amen. When we talk about success in the faith, success in ministry, success with anything that has to do with living for Christ, it is faithfulness. Hallelujah. To succeed as a Christian is to be faithful. Amen and amen. I know it seems I'm belaboring the point, but I want to, you know, um, press on it so much so that it would be, you know, established in the recesses of our spirit, man. Hallelujah. You see, the goal is faithfulness. That's the goal, faithfulness. And in that faithfulness, pleasing, being pleasing unto the master and pleasing the master. That is the goal. That is fundamentally and primarily the goal. Hallelujah. That I live my life to please God. Listen to 2 Timothy. Uh, This is Timothy, uh, Paul speaking to Timothy. Timothy was a young man like us, even younger than some of us. And he was in ministry. He was a pastor of a church that Paul had established. And Paul wrote to him and encouraged him. And, you know, instructed him also on certain things that he needs to pay attention to. Listen to 2 Timothy chapter number 2. Reading from verse 1, Paul says, Thou therefore my son. Hallelujah. And the reason that Paul refers to Timothy as a son is because he actually fathered him in the Lord. Amen and amen. He fathered Timothy in the Lord. And he also fathered him in ministry. Hallelujah. And he mentions the fact and draws Timothy's attention to the fact that he is his son in the faith to let Timothy understand the pattern of faith he is supposed to follow. Remember, Paul said one time that follow me as I follow Christ. Amen. There is a pattern of life 
Paul laid down by example for Timothy to follow. So when he referred to Timothy, thou therefore, my son, he's trying to draw Timothy's attention that there is, there is a pattern I have laid down for you as a son to follow after his father. Amen and amen. And as believers, we need exemplary patterns to follow. I mean, the, the ultimate pattern given unto us is obviously Christ himself. But you see, as leaders in the ministry, God has given us that, that responsibility of being an example to the flock and to the brethren in faith, in charity, in purity, in all these things as Paul listed. Hallelujah. And not only for us as leaders, but also for us as believers, because God is raising you, Rita, uh, Lorraine, uh, Fumi, uh, 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 Felicia, uh, Rhoda, Bennett. Uh, God is raising all of us to the place where we can pattern a certain life of faith for others to follow. That pattern of faith you lay down will be a light that will guide somebody out of darkness. And that pattern of faith will be no different from the pattern laid in Christ. Hallelujah. Because the Bible says no foundation can any man lay than that which is laid in Christ. So as we pattern ourselves after Christ, it becomes a light guiding others out of darkness. Hallelujah. That is why as a believer, no matter what you face, no matter what you're going through, you see, it's not just about you. It's more than what you think. Hallelujah. There is more at stake than what you think. When you face, when we are faced with temptations, as we all are faced with temptations because we are men of like passions, and sometimes we fall, and sometimes, you know, and all those things, there's more at stake. And when we are, when we are you know, uh, uh, drawn upon to compromise, there's more at stake. When we have the opportunity to become an example, there's more at stake. Hallelujah. You really don't know the impact, the extent to which the impact of your decision and your actions go. And, and unless the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see, we may not be, you know, uh, we, may, we may not be cognizant of that fact. But I submit unto you, brethren, there's always more at stake. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Somebody say there's more at stake. There's more at stake. Hallelujah. There's more at stake. Amen and amen. So Paul says, therefore, thou therefore, my son, my son. Then he says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Do you see it? Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, stand fast in the liberty where Christ has made you free. That is the grace that is in Christ. There is a particular grace in Christ. He said, be strong in that grace. Amen and amen. Are we aware of that grace that is in Christ wherein we stand to be strong in it? He says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. And he says, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You see it. The things you have heard of me. Paul knew the things he had taught Timothy. 
and he expected Timothy to hold the form of pure doctrine that he had taught him and commit the same to faithful men who would in turn commit unto others also. Why commit unto faithful men? Because it would only take faithful men to transmit the knowledge of Christ, the truth concerning Christ to the next generation. When a message is committed to a man who is not faithful, he would go ahead and say whatever he wants to say. He would teach whatever he wants to teach. He would preach whatever he wants to preach. He would not remain faithful in his transmission of the knowledge of truth. He will add some and delete some. But faithfulness is sticking to the message, preaching it as it is. So the word that you are hearing every Sunday, every time we teach the word of God here in faith generation, the intent is that the words you are hearing, you will hold them dearly and transmit them also unto others. Hallelujah. So that they also may be blessed by those words. They also may be saved by those words. They also may be established in the same grace that you have been established in. Amen and amen. So the goal is not only to hear, the goal is to hear and faithfully transmit unto others. That's the goal of teaching the word of God. We don't teach to express or demonstrate or show that, hey, we know so much. No, that's not why we teach the gospel. That's not why we teach in the ministry. We teach to establish believers in the truths that they in turn would be equipped by the message they have heard and so transmitted unto others. And that should be your goal as a believer. So you hear with purpose. You don't just hear for hearing's sake. You don't come on the line just to listen and feel good about yourself. No, 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 no. You don't just come because you know what, I need to come. If my pastor Sam is going to call me and find out why didn't you come, blah, 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 blah. No. If that's the case, it's even better to stay home. Hallelujah. But listen with purpose. Listen to be equipped so that you can in turn spread that same message of the gospel to others. Hallelujah. That's being a disciple. That's what being a disciple is. And as believers, we are not called to be fans of Jesus. You know, and there are many people who are just fans. We are called to be disciples. A disciple is a learner, somebody who learns. We learn Christ. That's our subject matter. The believer's subject matter is Christ. What he majors in is Christ. What he minors in is Christ. The believer's focus of study is Christ. That's why the Bible, Paul wrote to the, the church, he says, but you have not so learned Christ. Hallelujah. When, when they were deviating from the truth, he said to them, but you have not so learned Christ. That means this is not what we taught you in Christ or concerning Christ. Amen and amen. So we learn in order to be able to transmit unto others. Hallelujah. He says, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same, the same, the same commit thou unto others faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You see, the ability to do so comes in the receiving of the teaching. As you are receiving the message now, you are receiving the ability to teach others. Because when you understand, you can teach others. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. So your goal is to understand the, the message that is coming unto you. And then listen to what Paul says. Thou therefore endure hardness 
as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So Paul likens the believer, you know, to a soldier. And even more so, the believer in the ministry, you know, doing the work of the ministry, to a soldier. And then he says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. As soldiers of the Lord, we don't wield physical swords and knives. We don't wage war by nuclear bombs and, and, and rifles and AK-47s and, you know, semi-automatics and all that. No, we don't wage war by bullets and all those things. No, we wage war by the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. What do we wage war by? By the word of the Lord. The Bible calls it the sword of the spirit. Remember during the eschatology conference, I showed you that after the destruction of Jerusalem, amen and amen, we saw um, when, we, when they saw the sign of the Son of Man, you know, in the heavens, who had, having received the authority and the kingdom, uh, coming in his kingdom, uh, the word went forth. The angels were sent forth to, with a loud trumpet, gathering, you know, the elect from the four winds of the earth. What was that? We said the angels are believers sent forth to preach the gospel. The trumpet is the gospel, preaching of the gospel, hallelujah, to gather the elect from the four winds of the earth. Amen and amen. We wage war by the word of truth. That is the preaching of the gospel. So he says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. In that work of preaching the gospel, in that work of living the gospel, in that work of waging good warfare by the word of truth, you need to endure hardness. Why? Because it's not an easy task. The Bible says, all them that will live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. The Bible says, if you were of the world, the world will love its own. One of the effects of God's word is, it purifies you and sets you apart from the world. And the world hates that. The word of God distinguishes you from the world and the world hates that. So even though you are in the world, you are out of the world and the world hates that. So it will come against you. Because of the word, you will lose certain things. Because of the word, you will be denied certain things. Hallelujah. Because of the word, you will suffer the loss of certain things. But as a Christian and as a good soldier of Christ, the word of God is teaching us, endure those hard times. Endure them. The good soldier endures. The good soldier does not complain. Hallelujah. The good soldier does not complain. The good soldier does not, you know, um, 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 give up his place in the battalion and, and say, that, you know what, I'm retreated. I'm not, I don't want to, I, I, can't, I can't pay this price anymore. I, I can't sacrifice it anymore. You know, it's too hard for me. No, the good soldier endures. So he says, endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ. To stand and live for truth comes at a cost. Dearly beloved, it comes at a, if I tell you otherwise, I'm telling lies to you, it comes at a cost. We live in a generation, a postmodern generation, where truth is relative. And everybody feels as if, everybody feels like I have my truth, you have your truth, you live your truth, and I live my truth. 
But we know that there is not your truth and my truth. There is the truth. Hallelujah. Truth is one. It's Christ Jesus and what his word reveals to us. And we stand by that. It's not my opinion and your opinion. It is God's truth revealed to us. That is what has become our opinion. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter how I feel about it. It is about what God's word has said. And that's what we stand by. That is our sanctification. And the world hates that. And so sometimes, in order not to incur the wrath of the world, believers would, you know, dilly-dally about and just say, you know what, as for me, I don't really know, you know, to each his own, everybody, you know, finds his own way and finds his own truth. No, we know the truth. Hallelujah. It is revealed to us. But because we want to avoid the replications that come with it, the price we have to pay for standing firm in truth, we shy away from it. But the, the word of God is teaching us is endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ. You may lose certain friends. Sometimes even some of your family members may not want to fellowship with you anymore because of your stance on truth. Amen. Hallelujah. Then listen to what Paul says. No man that was entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. So you see, as Paul likens us to be soldiers in the army of the Lord, the, our goal, you know, the goal of every soldier, obviously, is to win battles, right? Victory in battles. Amen and amen. But our goal as soldiers in the army of the Lord is to please the one who enlisted us. The one who enlisted us as soldiers in his army. That's our goal. Victory for us is pleasing the one who called us into his army, so to say. So victory for us in the faith is pleasing the master. Living a life that pleases the master. Hallelujah. A life that pleases the master is victory for us. Amen and amen. It doesn't matter how the world may see it. It doesn't matter how it may appear before people. Hallelujah. Victory for us is being pleasing to the master. So as long as I know I'm pleasing to the master, I'm living a victorious life in Christ. But most times when we cry and we shout, you know, you are victorious, you are victorious, our mind is going on to, you know, uh, most times people's minds are going to, you know what, I, I, am, I, I am being promoted at my job and I have become the CEO and I, I, I own companies and I have houses and I have cars and that's, when, that's what victory to us is. And we have those mental pictures of victory because of the kind of message that has been taught to us. But I submit unto you, brethren, by the word of the Lord, victory for the believer is living a life that is pleasing to the master. There is no flamboyancy in that. Hallelujah. There's no flashiness in that. Amen and amen. There's nothing appealing to the flesh, to the world in that. But it is the victorious life in Christ to live a life that pleases the master. That is our goal, and that is our victory as believers, as soldiers in the, in, the, in the army of the Lord. He says, 
no man that worry entangles himself with civilian with, with the affairs of this life. There are entanglements in this life. Remember, Paul said that lay aside every day, the writer of Hebrews said, lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets you. There are things that entangle. And even personally, in my own life as a pastor, I recognize that indeed there are things that entangle. There are things that I've realized in my, as I, you know, in my, in my growth in ministry and obviously in my, in my walk of faith, I've realized that there, there are certain things that have just, just at the moment entangled me so much that they, they limited my effectiveness as a believer and my effectiveness in the ministry. And I had to give them up. Hallelujah. There are things that entangle, brethren. Things that entangle. They entangle you so much, you get wrapped up in you so much that they make you ineffective in your faith work. They make you not able to please the master. They either make you please yourself or please others, but not the master. Hallelujah. Anything that entangles is anything that makes you not please the master. Amen. The flesh entangles. The expectations of men entangle. There are those who live for the expectation of men. They live for the praise of men. What would others think of me? They care more about what others think, what the perception of men about them. They care about their reputation beyond what God thinks of them, what Christ thinks of them. They, they would rather please men than to please God. Hallelujah. And the others also were entangled by their flesh. They live for me, myself, and I. If it is not pleasing to them, then forget it. They live for themselves. These are those that use God as a means to an end. God is not an end in himself whom they seek. They seek God as a means to an end because God will help them get certain things. Self is on the throne of their heart. Hallelujah. And these things are subtle, dearly beloved. As I mentioned, uh, as I'm talking to you, it doesn't mean I'm exempt from these. I've seen these things in my own life. And I work, I'm working towards, you know, disentangling myself and detangling myself from, from all these things. That's what the Bible says, lay aside every weight and the sin. There are certain things, they are not sins, they are weights. When you carry them along in your faith, well, it becomes a weight. It prevents you from running well. Why? Because they take away your prayer life. Hallelujah. They take away your prayer life. They take away your time of Bible study. They take away your time of sharing with others. They, they, they make you, you know, uh, ineffective in your, in your faith work. And they give you reasons in the flesh that makes it sound so, makes it sound, you know, okay. But they are simply entanglements. And we must lose ourselves from those. If we'll be pleasing to the master, because that's the goal. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. That he may please him who are chosen. Remember always who chose you. Who chose you? Christ. Somebody say with me, Christ chose me. Christ chose me. Hallelujah. Christ chose you. 
So you live to please the one who chose you. Who is he? Jesus. Who is he? Jesus. Every other person comes secondary. Every other thing comes secondary to it. And if anything would entangle me to the point where I cannot please the one who chose me, I must give it up. And I know as we are saying it, it may sound easy as we are saying it, but sometimes it's very difficult. And it's hard to give up those things. But until you give up those things, you will never find true freedom in Christ. You will never find true joy in Christ. Hallelujah. You will never be able to experience the fullness of Christ as you are supposed to. It comes at a cost. It comes at a price. And as I said, if I tell you any other, if I tell you otherwise, I'm telling you lies. Amen and amen. Look at that. And then he goes on to say, and if any man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. Amen and amen. Now he's comparing the believer to an athlete. An athlete who is running, striving for the mastery, that is striving for the crown. And then he says that the goal in this is not necessarily the crown. The goal in this is that he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. He competes according to the rules. So your goal, as he compares the believer's life to an athlete running a race, the goal is competing according to the rules. It is not just running and getting to the finish. The goal is competing according to the rules. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. What, is, what does it mean competing according to the rules? living according to the word of God. Living according to the word of God. There are many people who try to cut corners in the faith. For example, there are even people who want to be pastors and they will go and take some power from some uh, fetish priest somewhere to become a pastor. Or they are pastors, they are doing the work of the ministry, they think that their ministry is not doing too well. They want numbers, so they go and collect some power from somewhere so that they can see or they can prophesy and all those things. To do the work of the ministry, you are not competing according to the rules. That is, you are not living according to the word of God. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. And in our own work, in our, in our daily work of faith, we ought to live according to the word of God. That is what it means by competing according to. That's the goal. The goal is to please the master. The goal is to compete according to the rules. That is to live according to the word of the Lord, the revealed truth of God's word. That's where we ought to find our joy, that I lived according to the word of God, that I pleased the master. That is where the joy and the celebration of the believer ought to be. These are the things we ought to celebrate, amen and amen, in our lives. That's the goal. That's the goal, amen and amen. And then he says, the husbandman that laborers must be first partaker of the fruit. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. You see, so here Paul compares the life of the believer to a soldier, to an athlete, and then also to the husbandman, the farmer. And then he must be the first partaker of the fruits. 
That means that the believer as a husbandman, your focus is the fruits you are bearing, the fruits that your labor is bearing. What fruits are you bearing? What fruit am I bearing? What fruit is my life bearing? You will be the first partaker of your own fruits. That's what Paul is saying. Hallelujah. You will be the first partaker of your own. What fruit is your life bearing? Is it fruit that brings glory to God? Amen and amen. Hallelujah. What fruit is your life bearing? Hallelujah. As a soldier, we please the master. As an athlete, we compete according to the rules. We live according to the word of God. As a husbandman, we labor to produce fruits, fruits that bring glory to the Father. Amen and amen. Remember, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me. He that abides in me, he shall bear much fruit. Hallelujah. And he tells you what kind of fruit the believer bears. He tells you the fruit of the Spirit is what love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, long-suffering. He tells you other fruit. Those things ought to be made manifesting. Those are the fruits we ought to bear. Jesus says, you know them by their fruit. The fruit of our lives. When men taste our lives, they must taste Christ. You understand? That's the fruit of Christ is the fruit of our lives. When men taste our lives, they must taste Christ. When they eat of the fruit of our lives, it, 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 it must, they must taste Christ. Amen and amen. So tonight is just a reminder unto us. Hallelujah. How that we are, we are likened and soldiers in, 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 in the army of the Lord. We don't wield physical weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, the Bible says. They are not fleshly. They are not of this world. They are not physical. It is the word of truth. That's the sword of the spirit. Amen. And our goal is to please the master, to do his bidding. What he says, we do. He says, sit, we sit. Go, you go. Come, you come. We do the bidding of the master. That's our goal, to please the master, not to please ourselves, not to please other people above the master, to please the master. Hallelujah. That is Jesus Christ. He is our master. There are those who are masters of their own life. They live for themselves. But the Bible says that we touch that, that if one died, all died. And he died that they which live should no longer live unto themselves, but unto him who died and gave his life for them. We live for Jesus. Amen and amen. We live to please him. And as likened unto Atlas running a race, hallelujah, we must run to obtain. Running to obtain what? And what is the goal of this race? We compete according to the rules. That is, running well is living according to the word of the Lord. Living according to the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Living according to the word of the Lord. Letting the word guide our lives, shape our lives. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Because the word is our sanctification. It is our purity. The word, hallelujah. Amen and amen. And then lastly, as husbandmen, we labor to produce fruit. 
What is this fruit? Fruit that brings glory to God. Our fruit is Christ. Our lives must produce fruit of Christ. Amen and amen. And we'll be the first to taste of that fruit. Hallelujah. Mando shatakabaye. Today, as we celebrate Mother's Day, hallelujah, there's a beautiful scripture in the book of 2 uh, Timothy chapter number 1, where Paul talks about um, the unfeigned faith that was in Timothy's uh, grandmother, Lois. And he says in verse 5, 2 Timothy 1, 5, it says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, we dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded it's in thee also. You see, there was a transgenerational transfer of the knowledge of the faith. Grandmother Lois labored to transfer that knowledge onto faithful Eunice, who faithfully transferred the same to young Timothy. That is how come Timothy was in the faith. And today as we celebrate Mother's Day, the women, all the women in faith generation, we celebrate you, we love you, we care for you, we appreciate you, we thank God for your lives and what he's doing through you. Amen. But remember, the greatest legacy you can leave your children is not leaving them a house, a fat bank account, and all, all those things are good. But remember, those things are for here and now. They fade away. The greatest legacy you can leave them is the legacy of faith, teaching them the truths of the faith. Now, how can you teach your children the truths of the faith if you don't know it yourself? Amen and amen. You must teach them the truths of the faith. Hallelujah. You must train them, establish them in the truths of the faith so that they in turn can train the next generation, their own children. That's how the faith will move on. If not, a generation will rise that will not know the Lord. They will not know the Lord. Hallelujah. And we'll wonder where did we go wrong? You know, the older generation, they blame this younger generation for all the problems in the world. The question is, who raised this generation? Amen. Who raised this generation? You know, the older generation, they're always blaming millennials, millennials. Who raised the millennials? They did. So where was the problem? They were the problem. They raised us. They raised millennials. So if there's a problem with us, they are for. We have to look at those who raised us. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. So we should recognize that as believers, our lives and our actions and everything have transgenerational consequences. There's always more at stake. Hallelujah. And we must strive to always evaluate all things in the light of this truth and in the light of eternity. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We give God praise. Brother, God bless you all so much. Thank you so much.